Hello and welcome to Deep Impact, a proud member of the Doof Network, where we dive deep into Wabo's most bibliophilic work five years on. Coming up next is Elliot Diebold. And that was Ruben Morehouse. <laughs> and we are back to talk about Possession 15.2, uh, which uh, has Blake and company continue to fight their way upwards through the Abyss Library. Uh, yeah, and so again, I just I was just blown away by how much I love the setting of this like arc like just the library um like one of the things that happens right at the start of this chapter is we we learn that the the place is solidifying so it's not that you're just gonna like fall through the floor at any point now like, the terrain is less of a concern but yeah. now we just have monsters crawling out of the woodwork um and, and not just monsters but other people too um and it's just it's like you know just the image of like this team running around they've all got like <laughs> guns and they're shooting at monsters as they're trying to climb the staircase yeah it's it's like it's it's like the end of an action movie or like specifically i don't know why it put this in my mind so much but like uh, a few of the uncharted games like you, mm. you finish them by crawling back out of whatever hole you've dug yourself in j- during the game and you got like things jumping at you from the roof and stuff and it's um it's just so fucking awesome. <laughs> it it really gives me a kind of zombie vibe, right? Like they're just fighting what seems to feel like an endless horde. And I love it because it sets up this idea of, you know, there's a reason there's this endless horde. It's because they're making too much noise in the library, of course. Um, but you don't know this at the start. And so it sets up this vibe of just there's infinite monsters that can come after you here. Yes, exactly. And because even though they're not, like described or anything i'm assuming that you know wabo in his head probably had like this you know variety of monsters that that were popping out like you know were like in the visual adaptation it would be it wouldn't just be all these same looking zombies being reused hundreds of times it would be all sorts of crazy uh others yeah definitely um something else uh that that's nice is right towards the start we see uh nick the leader of the shotgun knights of the sorry the leader of the knights of the basement also known as shotgun um (laughs) uh yelling that he's out of ammo and that's such a good little shorthand for like we've run out of we've run out of resources we're running out of resources so you know get ready for a real scrappy fight yeah yeah because you really you just get this sense that the abyss is throwing everything at them and and as you said later on we kind of learn why but like i think the bit that pushes it from just an exciting action scene to also having that packed twinge of tragic to it is how some of these people coming at them aren't even boogeymen yet it's just like lost souls like basically the abyss is plucking presumably like people who have gotten lost in it from all around the world and is just throwing them in here and saying hey you know have a go in here and like you know that could have been blake four five arcs ago yeah six arcs ago do you think the abyss just hasn't kind of near infinite supply of people who have been forgotten and they're just waiting in a dark void they've gone mad and just as soon as the abyss puts them in front of somebody they'll you know go crazy yeah it wouldn't surprise me to learn there's something like that great well if you just think about the whole world yeah there's possibly millions of people in in the abyss it is presumably very easy for it to just click like pluck a couple of hundred from around the world and dump them here. Yeah, God, <sighs> what a place. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Nick uh, gets kind of charged by this ink other, um, and Blake kind of uh, gets him just in time to scrap with it, kind of tackling it, fighting it. Um, yeah, it's a it's 
a chapter full of little scraps. Yeah. And, and and so obviously this other is pretty cool. It's like a uh Yeah. Like it's made out of ink. And um after it kind of stains Blake by attacking him, he says to it, it's a shame you're the asshole kind of monster because I really miss my old tattoos. <laughs> and like uh, first of all that line is badass but also i was yeah. like no like no more tattoos for you like look at what they've become i like i i get that he misses them but it, it seems like he's let them take over him and he doesn't even realize it's uh yeah no but- i can't decide if i read this as something blake or something like, like is this a good or a bad thing i'm all over the place <laughs> with this line elliot surely if he gets tattoos from this ink monster those will be totally normal and not weird in any way <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah exactly um yeah i really love this ink monster it's just another great example of like something that i think is pretty obvious but it bears repeating Barbo's just really good at coming up with a variety of weird different monsters this ink guy is yeah. like a living acid monster but themed around ink which gives it another bunch of cool stuff like fuck it's so cool <laughs> yeah i mean even just boogeymen in the world of pactor enough like you could do a whole x-files type tv show where they just hunt boogeymen and you know yeah. there's a different theme to each one and that affects how you've got to bind them um and, and, but that's just one type of other in this world it's it's yeah it's so great yeah um there's this other quote that i want to read out uh where blake yells to evan um and as a response he sees monsters uh, coming out of the woodwork some very literally which is a great line <laughs> um and it just kind of it's the kind of pair of lines that you don't put together initially but uh serves a reread of this chapter so well where you you see oh yeah of course they come out of the woodwork literally after he yells out because it's the library (laughs) it's one of these little seeds that blake puts together (laughs) later yeah um i mean we'll talk on it more when we get the reveal but like i fucking love this for so many reasons um it's it's so cool (laughs) uh you know i've talked about how i like twists that make me feel like an idiot for not putting it together and this Mm. was this was one of them i was like like when it (laughs) when it finally clicked when somebody explained it i was like that's fucking genius Mm. yeah yeah it's good isn't it we'll talk about it more soon um uh so yeah blake takes care of the ink guy keeps going and we find two more others one of them being the paper girl uh so yay she's back yeah, I thought I, I thought she got hyenaed, but it, it wasn't a fatal hyenaing from the looks of it. She's just uh very injured and, and holding a grudge. Well, uh, yeah. I, I get the sense it's kind of like what almost happened to Blake in the um besieged arc. Like damage that was enough to knock her out of the world and now yeah. <laughs> she's back in the abyss. Um, I mean it's so good to see her again. Like it it, it it's just a fun little spice uh amongst all these other like nameless horror uh others that we see. Yeah. Um I was actually a little bit surprised that she recognized Blake because I'm pretty sure the last time she saw him he was a human boy mostly. Yeah, in the mirrors. Um, whereas yeah, now he's gone full Pinocchio. Um but, you know, I guess, you know, she's she really wants revenge, so she wants to attack <laughs> Blake anyway. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you'd that you'd probably remember, not that she, you know, not that she would forget him, but he's he's the one who stabbed her book. So yeah, but he, but I mean, he looks so different now. Like, yeah, like, but I, I wouldn't have blamed her for taking a minute to to put it back together. That's fair enough. Um, yeah, I feel bad for her, honestly. Like 
She's uh, she's obviously not been doing so hot since Blake stabbed her in the book. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 this is that whole thing with boogeyman, right? It, it's hard to feel sorry for them, but also to to not. Like, yeah. they're, they're, they're all kind of inherently yeah. tragic because they've been chewed up by the abyss, but then they're also kind of all monsters. Yeah. Uh, ev- even our protagonist um, at times. So Especially uh, our protagonist. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, boogeyman are so... Like I, I alternate for every single one of them between being like, oh, like God, this sucks, and just stop being a monster, you idiot. <laughs> yeah, she's she. Well, I don't think she's one that seems close to being redeemed, but there are a lot for boogeymen where you're kind of like, you're just like four steps away from being neutral at least. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, so Blake fights with the paper girl, and there's this really fun mid-air fight. Th- this description that I really love of the paper girl kind of fluttering down from above like a piece of paper. I mean, it doesn't say this, but the image that comes to mind is a piece of paper that you drop and just kind of watch sort of unpredictably fluttering left and right. It's it's such a great little visual. Yeah. Well, I, I got the impression she like sort of flips open into a swarm of papers and it's like, it's like a storm of, of paper cuts, mm. um, kind of like how like an old vampire would turn into like a swarm of bats or something. Yeah. Uh, but just in a way that's perfectly on theme for her and lets her like fly <laughs> uh, as well, which evens the ground between her and Blake. Um, it's, it's yeah, pretty awesome. Yeah. No, it's great. It's such a good little fight. Um, yeah. Uh, and then I, I just wanted to highlight one other line from this sort of section, which is uh, as Blake is is taking a break in the middle of this. He uh, closes his eyes and hears the bells, uh, which is plural now. There's multiple bells. And mm-hmm. he thinks, uh, is that even Molly anymore? Was I even Blake or Rusty? Mm. And, um, I mean, I- I'd been wondering kind of where Molly was at as we were going through this chapter. Um, so I love how Wabo not only brings it up, but ties it back to what's going on with Blake. Like, of course... I can very much believe that Molly is the sort of thing that the Abyss was just kind of very easily able to twist and manipulate. I yeah, mean, we saw, yeah. We saw Blake play her like a fiddle a couple of arcs ago. Yeah, she definitely doesn't seem like she's the most um, stable, I guess. Yes, exactly. Like, I feel like she would have been easily played. Um, and and so, yeah, I, I assume she actually is getting kind of twisted into something that is serving the library and and that's so cool in and of itself but i love how then again we're tying into this idea of um well what does this say about you know our our favorite tree boy Mm. um especially because he he also thinks like my he thinks about how his head hasn't completely healed from what the barber did to it yeah and i i just thought this was extra interesting because blake is thinking oh well you know what's the abyss doing to others but he's not thinking what's it doing to him considering the barber almost destroyed the last bit of Blake yes. that it made. Yeah. So there's, there's barely any Blake. Like, as far as the barber is coming, like, you know, the barber was Blake's father. He, he barely is anymore because now the Abyss is really Blake's papa. Yeah. Because he's mostly, like, uh, Abyss Blake at this point, it feels like. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, so, like, it's it's just so interesting having this idea of how much is he Blake right now when we're balancing the fact that the barber and the Abyss uh, are both sort of his progenitors of various forms, but the barber's part of him is, is almost completely gone. Like, what does that mean for Blake? What does that mean for Rusty? Um, I'm so fascinated to see how this tracks moving forward. Yeah, it's obviously not great that he's back here again, potentially, you know, sacrificing more <laughs> of himself. Um, I, I'm kind of, we're obviously keeping an eye on 
you know, how he's acting and whether we think there's any more changes happening here. And I haven't seen any really yet, except maybe he's been killing some others with uh, ruthless efficiency. Although the way he deals with the paper girl isn't very cold-hearted. It's quite old Blakey. So I don't know. I'm not seeing anything that's really a warning sign yet, but you're right. It's something to keep an eye on. Yeah, I, well, I just you know, as we're moving to the to the end of the story, it feels like all this stuff is starting to come together, and this line just reminded me of that and got me excited for it. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, but yeah, as you mentioned, so like Blake actually finishes off the paper girl, um, just by getting a hold of her book and sort of getting her to swear never to hurt anyone again, and uh, she she pre- seems to agree to it. Um, yeah. So, you know, we've got our Blake who is giving chances again. Um, it's to monsters still. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's um, again, this is just something that's interesting as we're, as we're continuing to track it. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, something to watch. Well, does Blake just brutally murder things? <laughs> it's a kind of scale to, to keep an eye on. Yeah. Um, as Blake is fighting the paper girl and, and kind of around this chapter, He sees a number of books that are obviously just there to tempt him. Um, It's, uh, you know, The Killing of Angels is one. Uh, The Lies Rose Has Told You. Like, they're very much titles that are just there to make him read them. (laughs) I I laughed so hard when I saw both these titles. Like, I'm kind of digging how the library, compared to the drains at least, feels so unsubtle. Yeah. like the the drains was was all about just sort of grinding you down in this very um o- oblique way whereas the library's just kind of like hey hey here's a book that's clearly fake but like read it you idiot yeah totally um, it's 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 like such a it's it, it almost feels like the library is flexing on him or like how much it has him in his grip uh, and just kind of taunting him as he's in this fight it's hilarious yeah it gave me a vibe of i mean you know it's a young place right it gave me a vibe of it's it's the equivalent of it not quite having fully settled yet um it's still trying to figure out how to you know because i mean apart from Catherine, who presumably is stupid because why would you read a book so obviously (laughs) a trap um Anyone looking at the these books would be like, okay, this is an obvious trap. <laughs> like it's so it's so not tempting because it's so obviously fake. I, I'd even say in this case, I think maybe the library knew that it was never gonna trick Blake with a book. So it just decided to almost taunt him rather than try and trick yeah. him with these like overly fantastically sounding titles. Like all like the lies Rose has told you. It's just such a like the, the fuck you is right there in the title. Like, yeah, he yeah. doesn't have to open that to get the to get a bit of a gut punch. And it's just like I think that's what it's doing here. It's not even trying to trick him anymore. It's just taunting him with these titles. Yeah, you could imagine a title for one of these books being like, "Oh, how Evan dies before you" or something. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, oh fuck! Well, that's already you know the the the, the gut punches in the title, like you said. Yeah, the the deaths you are responsible for. Or something. <laughs> The ways you're similar to Carl listed. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> um, yeah, so <laughs> so Blake deals with these others that he's fighting, the paper girl and the other one, um, the the ogre, which seems to kind of uh, get taken out almost by the barber. <laughs> like it, it uh, actually, no, sorry, it's not the bar, it's not the barber that cuts up the ogre, it's, it's another one, but Blake deals with these others very quickly. Catches up to the rest of the group, gets accidentally shot along the way, which is fun. And uh, Barbie <laughs> is down below cutting up some more minions. Yeah, I, I loved the little bit where uh, Blake got shot 
Um, like I thought that was a very understandable mistake from <laughs> the knight who did it because he just kind of flies in looking like a monster and he's like, "Hey!" Um, like of course he's yeah. going to get of course he'd shoot him. Um, but yeah, I mean the real the real highlight from this segment is just how fucking terrifying Barbatorum is. Uh, like even even all these sort of others down the bottom clue in very quickly into how off he yeah. is and this is like this isn't normal yeah they kind of just yeah they they crowd around him and he just kills one of them immediately and the rest are all like okay see ya <laughs> yeah yeah and then um like barbatorum just just fucks them up so badly and and i mean i i think we'll we'll see more of that as as he starts to catch up soon yeah um he cuts up we we see blake kind of looks down and sees this raven other standing near Barbatorum, looks away for a second and looks back and Barba has cut him up into two different things. One is like a a man that has have, had all his feathers plucked um, and the other is just kind of this like atrophied mess of limbs. Um, so mm. that's horrible. It's great. Good job, Barbatorum. Uh, <laughs> horrifying. And, and I think seeing this sort of stuff in action is finally starting to sell to me this idea that Barbatorum is like, as powerful or more powerful than Ur. Yeah. Uh, like, because that's something that kind of has been continuously reinforced to us, and I always have, have never really felt that. But seeing how much control Barbatorum seems to have over when he when he takes, you know, what are already, as we've established, very interesting enemies Wabo creates, and then he gets the ability to chop them up into exactly the parts he does and doesn't want. Yeah. You can really see how when you let him at a number of people, he's just going to be able to create so much chaos yeah um, it's uh, yeah and, and obviously from a writing perspective as well it's great because wabo can take these already interesting things that he has and also start to break the rules of them by dividing them in halves and stuff um, yeah but uh yeah like it's I, i'm finally starting to see why barbatorum is as scary as uh when you're sort of in the same place yeah you imagine you know you take a team of practitioners to deal with uh and the damage you take is you forget half of them right but when you're fighting yeah. barbatorum every practitioner you send against him means he's got two weird gross obedient practitioners on his side after he cuts yours up yeah well see yeah when you fight uh you forget half the people you're with when you fight barbatorum you leave with twice as many like that's the problem <laughs> Yeah, which is horrifying in its own way. <laughs> um, so, uh, continuing the trend of people putting too much reliance on the stability of these structures, uh, Ellie Thorburn is the next to fall down um, and almost falls all the way to the bottom down to Barbatorum, which of course would have been pretty bad, uh, but Blake manages to, in air quotes, save her from falling all the way. Yeah. No, it seems like a pretty rough, uh, rough landing that, yeah. that these two go through. But it's not the worst possible landing she could have had, and so in that way, it is a same. Yes, I suppose. <laughs> um, True. There's this bit where Blake uh, has. There's an other, and this is where the library stuff starts coming to play. Blake has realised at this point that the library, you know, like most libraries, wants you to be quiet, and uh, so as others reach through to reach for Ellie, Blake grabs the hand of one of these others and just kind of breaks it. So this other, other screams. And then of course it's made a noise. So it's effectively grabbed and killed by some <laughs> unseen horror, which is a great way of dealing with your problems. Just make them scream until they die. Oh, it's so good. Like I love how quickly Blake always goes to, goes from 
figuring out what's going on to being able to use it to his advantage. <laughs> yeah. And this is a great example of it. Um, I, uh, the, the concerning bit is right after he does this, he says to himself, like, oh, the noise in my head is getting louder, mm. which um, to me suggests that the abyss is maybe going like, yeah, like, like the abyss is loving this. Yeah. Um, which is concerning, although I don't know what else he was meant to do there, but, you know, it's just... Again, keeping keeping my finger on the pulse of where Blake's standing with the abyss. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> there's this bit where he divulges the secret of the library to Evan. I'm going to read it out. He says, Quiet, I hissed. We're in a damn library. For a moment, he seemed stunned. He blinked. <laughs> I, I love this moment. It's just so, like, silly <laughs> that the library cares if you're quiet or not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, uh, just yeah, this this sort of reveal of exactly what's been going on is is, is so good. I mean, I've, I've already talked about how it's it's one of those ones that seems so obvious in retrospect. Yeah, but I, I didn't piece it together as it was happening, and then I, I also love it because for the first time we're in the abyss with like a really good, uh, put together more or less group, and there's there's really room to work together and coordinate and to, to form st- strong connections. And we're seeing here that this is a part of the abyss that's all about isolation and and sort of preventing exactly that. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if it's actually that unique because I was thinking on that. And, and like, remember the drains had that like giant uh, like waterfall is the best word I've got at the moment of like yeah. water in the middle that was so loud you could barely yell at each other. Yeah. Like I think, I think this is something maybe the abyss does fairly commonly. Yeah. Uh, but it, it it's sort of it's sort of so perfect that it wants to isolate you further because that's kind of how you end up there, and yeah, exactly. That fits the idea of a library, and the library fits the idea of Hillsglade House. Like it, it all just works on every level. It's it's so awesome. Yeah, it really is quite perfect, isn't it? Uh, the way every little bit of the library seems to incidentally play perfectly into the themes and ideas that the abyss is all about. Yeah, and, and Hillsglade House, you know, the Diabolist's home, it was so isolated, so alone, like Diabolists yeah. always are. Like, it just, everything, it's just the more I learn, the more I'm like, God, this just stacks up. I love it. Yeah. Um, so, Blake and Evan have a bit of a conversation here, and it's pretty clear throughout this chapter that Evan is um, not too happy with how self-sacrificing Blake is being, which... Shame. You know, yeah, same. And it feels like <laughs> trying to get Blake not to be self-sacrificing is a wasted effort. But it it kind of feels like Evan is, I don't know, he, he sees things coming to a head, which I guess is bad foreshadowing for us as the audience. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, he's got so little flesh left. Uh, Barbatorum apparently had a good crack at what is left last chapter. Yeah. Um, I'm starting to think it's more and more likely that the uh, there's going to be a very literal interpretation of this arc's name for Blake mm. uh, if he runs out of human body. Because mm. it's hard, I mean, it's hard not to agree with Evan a little bit that Blake is trying to kill himself a little bit or like he's too willing to let the Abyss let him sacrifice bits of himself. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, it, just, it gets me thinking, like, as we're approaching the end of the story, I'm just sort of trying to figure out where I think everyone's going to end up. And Evan is probably the real wrinkle in that for me because we've heard so much about how Blake is going to probably die. Mm. And if it was just him, I'd be more willing to believe that. But, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, hoping not, I'm hoping for an untragic end for Evan. Like, I don't, I, I don't think I can cope with a bad ending for Evan. Um, 
and and an Evan ending that isn't tragic either involves him letting Blake go, which will be bittersweet in its own way. But I, I can't, I, I'm not sure exactly how that's going to be able to happen when there's so little Blake left. Mm. Otherwise, maybe maybe Evan's going to actually manage to keep Blake alive, um, as he has done the whole fucking story. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, <laughs> Can he do it a but, few more times? Yeah, exactly. Like I don't know. I'm so interested. Evan to me is is something that's really muddying up my understanding of where I think the story might end, and I have no idea where his character arc is going to end. And so I'm so excited to to see how that goes over the next like twenty or so chapters. Yeah. Yeah, um, like he's endlessly optimistic, right? And that's, it just yeah. really seems to be an energy and attitude that the group desperately needs. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I mean, the whole the whole story needs it for, for sure. Like, I, I do think we need a shining beacon of light and Evan is a great fit for that role. Yeah, totally. Um, so the group is all reunited and they have this kind of short conversation with, uh, with everybody, including Johannes, Jeremy, Alastair, all the big players. Um, and then they realize that the barber has almost completely caught up to them. I, I, and I, I love, again, this is, this is well by using the power of the setting he's established because everyone has to be quiet. So mm. they're, they're also barely moving. So you just get the barber who can't, well, he, in fact, he probably can reach them, but he, he I guess he's fucking with them. Mm. But he he's just standing across, like sort of staring at them. They have to be quiet, so they're all just kind of across staring at him. And there's just like you know this gap, and the, the just the kind of face off vibe you get is yeah, is sort of so awesome. And at the same time, I don't know face off is the right word because this isn't going to be like an even fight. This is just going to be Barbatorum, uh, fucking their shit up if he gets near him. Yeah, but you know he might literally take their faces off. So. <laughs> maybe it is the right word um yeah the 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 sound of him snipping his shears that crosses this chasm between them as well is very perfect yeah uh the barber's been using his sheer sound effects uh very effectively these last two <laughs> chapters it's great yeah um there's this moment where blake says to everybody like oh don't look at him he can get into your eyes etc and covers ellie's eyes thinking that she's so impulsive that she might just do it <laughs> which <laughs> even she isn't crazy enough to do that right no i think I, I I just think she's a bit impulsive, like he's uh, mm. like you know she may not realize that she's doing it until it's too late. I think is yeah. his thinking. That that was certainly my thinking. <laughs> Fair enough, I suppose. Um, so uh, as the group is kind of planning what they're going to do next, uh, hands reach out and grab Rose, and she's okay. They they save her, but in the you know time and and energy that this occupies, uh, the barber has disappeared. <laughs> Yeah, I love how she gets attacked because she's like making a plan. You know, you can't you can't have communication in this library. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's it, it's interesting. Uh, I, I'm just gonna sort of jump a, a bit ahead, but um, Alistair and Blake really work together here to rescue mm. Rose. Yeah, and there is a moment where Rose kind of reaches out for Blake's help, but then there's you know as as they finally manage to rescue her, she has the choice and she she chooses. Well, not Blake, basically. Yes. She didn't choose Alistair. She chooses not Blake. Yeah. And um, I, I just like this as, you know, it's like a little moment to let the barber get away. But also it serves to remind us that, you know, hey, Blake and Rose, they're, they, they're working together, but they're just never going to quite be on the same page, so to speak. Um, I mean, that's a joke the chapter made. Um, <laughs> but 
but you can yeah. take credit for it as well. <laughs> um, yeah, no, you're right. And, and Blake kind of reads into this moment, suggesting that we as the audience possibly should as well. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe there isn't that much to read into. Maybe it is just the surface level thing of it's your husband or the monster that you know is compromised by the abyss. Like, it's not that hard of a choice. <laughs> Um, yeah, that, I mean, that's, that's definitely a fair read. I, um, I, I think it has more to do with not Blake though, personally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Blake, now that the barber has disappeared, kind of suspects that the barber is possibly inside the eyes of one of their group, but without any solid leads, he can't really do examine this. All they can really do is continue. And, uh, luckily his worries prove to be false when they get to the top and find that uh, the barber, or more specifically his shears, are just waiting in the middle of the exit for them. <laughs> They're between them and getting out of this hellhole. I, I mean, I know, I guess he's tied into the Seal of Solomon, so maybe it is important for him, but I feel like the barber's got the whole theatrics part down pat. He, um, <laughs> he's absolutely killed it this whole chapter and last yes. chapter, which is upping his fear factor. Yes, um, definitely. But... Yeah, so this whole train of thought uh, Blake has about whether somebody is basically being possessed by the yeah. barber. Like, I just feel like this is Wildbo having fun with the archetypal and our expectations. Mm. Like, I, I got on board with this train of thought very quickly because I was kind of like, oh, well, yes, you know, the, the arc is called possession and Blake is often right about these things. So I just I just started going along with it and then we yeah. get the ending and it was just like, I think, I think this is just Wildbo kind of toying with our expectations in a, in a really fun little way. <laughs> yeah it's good isn't it yeah i don't know I, but i am becoming convinced that that like blake will start possessing people soon like i already talked about this a little bit but mm. like um i think there's some really interesting stuff we could do there because i think we, we've we've talked about possession a couple of times in the story and it's it doesn't seem to be total control like if if it's more of a blending of personalities i think there's some really interesting stuff you could do there Especially yeah. with um, Blake's personality being as malleable as it has been the last seven arcs. Yeah, I think um, the way Blake was doing the sympathetic magic with the objects very much reminded me of possession already, like possessing an object, possessing its, you know, having its taking control of its mirror form in order to, you know, influence its real form is this kind of voodoo-y, possession -y vibe already. So I can kind of see where that might go if it goes in a direction like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm very interested to see um if that if something like that happens because I'm sure it'll be a really interesting uh character beat as well as just being cool. Yes. Yeah. Um. So let's talk about Barba kind of guarding the exit to the abyss here. Uh, one of the reasons I really liked it is because it's obviously almost exactly what Faisal was doing uh when they first fell into the abyss and actually they didn't notice that Faisal is no longer guarding the exit, which uh, is because he's presumably still inside Johannes. Um, but the fact that Barbie is now guarding the exit kind of gives me this vibe that he's just like tagged out for Faisal and they're very much on the same team <laughs> even more than we might have thought. Yeah, I actually kind of assumed Faisal is still just around somewhere up there. He's just uh, staying out of Barbatorum's way. Mm. um but again like you're right this, this idea of just the barber being here at the gate really sells that idea of Faisal and the barber aren't against each other which is mm. enough because probably either of them could take out this whole group single-handedly so they're, they're yeah. just so they're so fucked because these two are kind of both on the page of getting rid of this group seemingly yeah um yeah it's 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 a bad spot to be in for sure 
Yep. And that bad spot is where we leave this chapter. Yes. Uh, there's nowhere to go from here but up. Or back down. Qu- question mark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll see, I suppose. Um, before we wrap up our episode, though, uh, we wanted to dive into some comments from five years ago when this chapter first came out and see what other people were saying about it. Uh, so, Elliot, do you want to pull yeah. out a, your comment first? Um, yeah, I, I just pulled out a quick comment by Aname, uh, who mentions that the library uh, also seems very well designed for Barbatorum. Like, we, we talked a lot about how it works on so many levels, but um like barbatorum's mute he's obviously working alone mm. uh it, it it seems like this is the perfect place for him to just wreak havoc um regardless of like even how strong he is he he also seems perfectly suited to this environment yeah um and like thinking on what this comment was saying made me wonder how sure Faisal is that the abyss is just going to easily bind barbatorum like that that seemed to still be his plan like let barbatorum fuck all these guys and then the abyss would take take it from there mm. um but i don't know like maybe the abyss likes barbatorum i mean one of the abyss's favorite new toys was was from barbatorum yeah i i really don't see how the abyss would bind barbie instead of just kind of warping him to its whims which i guess is better like a, a boogeyman is probably better than a demon to have in the world but i don't know it's probably still not great yeah, well, I'm curious what the Abyss might do to a demon if it does get one in its clutches, but I'm just, like, looking at this with Barbatorum so close to this gate now, I'm wondering if and that is something the Abyss is actually going to do. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, there's also this funny little uh, idea that Aname mentioned that, like, uh, it's it does seem like Molly is being repurposed into the library's security system, like it's <laughs> using her, her um, omniscience to act as a security system. Yeah. And I, I like that twisted inversion of what she has been doing for the last few arcs. She has been this, um, like, Belle kind of aggravating everyone and, and, and turning them into action, whereas the Abyss has maybe twisted her into something that punishes everyone for doing anything. It's, um, it's a fun little, fun little inversion of her role. Yeah, definitely. It's a, it's a nice way to extrapolate uh, Molly out into this world. Yeah, yeah. Um. The comment I pulled out was from a user called Coda, uh, who basically just gives us a little reminder of how Granny Rose by, uh, bound Barbatorum, which serves as a nice reminder just to give us some hints on how you might possibly defeat this thing. Um, yeah. yeah. The, the specific quote is, uh, he was bound with rule-defining diagram, oh, sorry, a rule-defining diagram of geometric lines and Byzantine notation. Um, which Coda describes as order for order's sake, rules that create more rules, you know, uh, the the opposite to a demon that destroys uh, and revels in order and chaos. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, just quickly, because I didn't know what this was, Byzantine notation is a different kind of musical notation that's used a lot for, like, church music, um, Byzantine-style chants especially um so musical notation obviously is something that follows some strict sets of rules in order to create so it feels like a pretty good uh, opposition to something like barbatorum yeah yeah cool i i had no idea so hopefully that's uh, a way that he can be at least dealt with Uh, i don't know we'll see i suppose yeah um but that's uh that's that's everything we have to say about 15.2 yes uh 
if you have more that you want to say at us, or if you want to answer our discussion question, uh, there will be a link in the show notes to the Reddit thread where you can do just that. Yes, a reminder of that discussion question. It is, pick a famous or important place to you and explain what you think the abyss might turn it into. Um, and we'll be uh, going through the answers to that one in 15.4, is that right, Elliot? Yes, on on Monday. Yes, 15.4. So leave us your discussion question answers, or if you want to leave us something else, why not leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or your podcatcher of choice? Yep, uh, if you're looking for more to listen to, uh, the place to go is doformedia.com. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a bunch of other great shows there. Uh, in fact, tomorrow, uh, Media MD is coming out with an episode on the Magnus Archives, uh, yes. which uh, we we had Matt Freeman on to to bring us that one. And I spoiler alert: we we both really liked it. And I yeah. think that's a it's a it's a great podcast, and I think it's a fun episode that you should check out. Yes, if you like Pact, the Magnus Archives is definitely the thing for you. Um, yeah, it's basically yeah. like very Pacty in the terms and subject matter that it deals with. It's even got very on theme a lot of creepy terrifying books in it uh so um yeah just like that <laughs> yep uh you know the lies rose thought uh, rose has told you is totally the title of a jürgen leitner book i'm pretty sure so um that'll come up in the magnus archives if you don't know what that means <laughs> listen to the magnus archives or listen to our episode on the magnus archives which is coming out tomorrow uh yes and if you if you like deep impact if you like media md if you like any of the other doof shows uh we're entirely supported by our patrons at mm-hmm. patreon.com forward slash doof media. Uh, so there's a bunch of great perks uh, that you get for supporting us. And obviously, you know, it helps keep us making this sh- these shows, which uh, if that's what you want, please patron if you can. Yes. While you're on Patreon, why not support the man himself, Wild Bo? He has a Patreon and that's why he's able to uh, write full time and keep up with his crazy schedule that he's set for himself so if you want to force him to keep to that schedule go to patreon.com forward slash wabo and throw some money at him yep and so apart from that we'll see you all on friday the 10th of january for possession 15.3 see you then